We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, chapter number 11 in our opening text. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 28. Stand with me to reverence the reading of the Word. And let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, one more time. Lord, I feel your Spirit sense your presence in here this morning. And I want to stop and acknowledge you. You are hallowed. Your name is hallowed. You're holy. You're living and you're loving. And Lord, you're our Savior and you're our judge. Call us into your presence closer this morning. And work on us, we pray. I plead the blood of Jesus. I pray you bind every devil in hell or in earth that would seek to hinder, distract, or discourage, that would try to rob us from the precious seed of God's Word today. Open the deaf ears. I'm talking about the spiritually deaf, Lord. Those that have not yet heard the call of God to salvation, I pray that you would open their spiritually deaf ears today, that they might hear perhaps for the first time the call to salvation. And God, I pray that you would... Uh, would you just invade their space and change their world through the gospel of Christ? And for those of us who are saved, draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody say amen. Verse number 28, Matthew 11, the Bible says, and this is Jesus himself speaking, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus said in the latter part of verse 29, You shall find rest unto your souls. And I want to preach with God's help on unloading your burdens. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jesus was following up. It appears to me by reading chapter 11 that he was possibly addressing a, a mixed crowd like we are today. I can't pretend that everyone in here is either a believer or saved. We are what you would call a mixed crowd, perhaps. Uh, I would like to think that all of you have been born again, but the chances that someone might be in our midst that is not saved is likely in a crowd this size. And, uh, in fact, Jesus said that there's going to be tares amongst the wheat, and don't you try to sort it out. You'll mess it all up. You'll pluck the wrong ones. He said, just let me sort it out on judgment. I'm paraphrasing. And so we can neither pretend nor know that we know the spiritual condition or the heart of anybody. I can't not assume that you are saved or lost. Even by what you tell me, I can only take your word for it. But truly, only you and God knows. And sometimes only God knows. Because people can be deceived. And Jesus was preaching, I believe, to a crowd similar to the crowd that I'm preaching to today in terms of it being a mixture of different people with different varying levels of faith and belief in Him. Uh, he, uh, he addressed 
take, for example, verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Uh, you know, John was the uh, really the first one to break the ice uh, in Scripture uh, since 400 years of what we call darkness uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't think that it was that God was not speaking. It's just that we don't have any recorded Scripture between those time periods. And so John the Baptist come to break the darkness, so to speak, to introduce Jesus to the world, and in so doing, stirred up the religious, got himself in prison, and got himself beheaded for preaching the truth. Amen. And uh, so Jesus was referencing the violence that takes place against those who enter into and serve in the kingdom of God. And so he's talking about not only those uh, to whom the violence uh, was inflicted, but he was also referring to those who inflicted the violence. And so you have religious but lost people. You have people serving God here. And, and so Jesus is setting up the stage for what we just read in verse 28. Because the truth, if the truth be known, both John and Jesus came to preach the same message, which was repent, or ye shall all likewise perish. What was going on during that time, especially in the history of Israel, was, uh, was people got religion down pat, but they didn't get the relationship with God down pat. They could go through the motions, and they could do all their offerings, and they could tell you exactly what the Old Testament said and expected. And if that wasn't enough, they had a few hundred more laws to add to it to make sure that you stayed in the religious bondage. And Jesus came along preaching to a crowd that was overburdened with religiosity. Uh, these religious powers that be placed upon men burdens that God neither placed on them nor intended to be placed upon them. And so Jesus comes with a different message. He said, I'm not here to add more to you. I'm here to take some off of you. Amen. And that's what he's talking about when he says, come unto me, all ye. And I'm glad the word all is in there, aren't you? Because uh, that includes me. And that includes you. Amen. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he said, uh, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That word labor literally means to grow weary or tired or exhausted with toil. It, it means burdens or grief. It means to labor with wearisome effort. And can I tell you this morning that if you are trying to work your way into heaven, you will wear yourself out and it'll be for absolutely nothing whatsoever. There is not one thing that you can do for yourself to make it to heaven because of your good works. And Jesus is preaching to that kind of person. If you are laboring and growing weary, aren't you tired of trying to be good enough, but yet knowing down deep in your heart that you are still utterly falling short of the glory of God? If you were to be honest with yourself today, you would have to admit that all of your righteousness mounts up to about, uh, uh, like God says, uh, a set of filthy rags in His sight. 
There's nothing that we can do to impress God. There's nothing that we can do to earn brownie points with God. There's nothing we can do to make sure. And it's not if your good outweighs your bad. It's, if, it's, it's simply this. Uh, do you have any sin on your account? If you have one sin on your account, then you're just as guilty as if you committed every one of those uh, sins that God mentioned in His Holy Word. Because He said if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. And some of you are laboring and striving and trying to please God and hoping that you're going to make it in. And Jesus is saying, turn to Me. Come to Me. Let Me lift that burden off of you. Let Me take off of you the responsibility of trying to measure up to My holiness. Because there's no way you're going to do it uh, on your own. You need Me to help you with that. Uh, in fact, you need to be wrapped in the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and in Him alone uh, if you're going to let that burden go this morning. Amen. Give God some glory. The word laden means to place a burden upon or to load. To load one with a burden of rights or religious obligations given by God's law and unwarranted precepts. That is, religious obligations added by man's law. And we have a world filled with man-made rules and regulations that won't amount to a hill of beans on Judgment Day. What you need is an advocate before the judge of the universe one day when you stand before him. That is, you need a lawyer that can represent your case that's never lost a case. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you can get your sin under the blood of Jesus, you will have a representative before the Heavenly Father one day that will represent your case. And your case of sin will be dismissed. And you'll be led into heaven because of what Jesus did to take that burden off of you. Now, you can keep trying to carry your load if you want to. And some religious people, no doubt, will get offended and get mad that I have implied that their works amount to nothing in the sight of God. I know that offends you. Well, we ought to do right, right, preacher? Yeah, we ought to do right. But let me tell you the difference between doing right to get saved and doing right because you're saved. Amen? Uh, today I serve God, not because I'm trying to get my way into heaven. I serve God because I'm already going and I owe it to Him. Amen? Uh, amen? I'm not trying to repay even God. There's no way I can even repay Him. Uh, all I know to tell you is it's a grace deal. Amen? Uh, and uh, listen, uh, how can you be forgiven for so much and want to give back so little to God? Amen. You see, when you, when you get to the place where you want to do something for God, not because you're trying to get there, but because He's already redeemed your soul, things will pick up around your house. And things will pick up around the house of God. Why do you think it's so hard to poke and prod and pry and motivate people to do anything for the church anymore? i tell you why. Because a good majority of people in the churches today are lost and undone. They're not in religious works because they're serving God that saved their soul. They're in religious works because they're trying to achieve something to please God. And they're falling short and they've grown weary and they're tired and they're exhausted and they've toiled and they're burning down and they've come to the point to where they just can't do it anymore. And if you're in that place, you're in a good place to be with God today. 
You need to get to that place to where you realize you just cannot do it anymore. You're going to have to lean on somebody who's already done it. You're going to have to lean on somebody who's already done the works. Uh, Amen. It's not about the works of man. It's about the works of God. And the Bible says this is the work of God, that you believe on Him and whom He has sent. Uh, If you want to do works to get to heaven, here's your obligation. Believe on Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen, church? Glory to God. I'm talking about unloading your burdens. Acts 21, verse 3 gives us some insight uh, And it says, now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the uh, left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. We're in Acts 21, verse 3. Look at the last phrase. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. Amen. Some of you, your boat's about to sink. Some of you, you've tried and tried and You tried and tried, and no matter what you do, you just can't seem to get it hooked. Amen. And you're trying for all the wrong reasons. You may want to get to heaven, and it might be your intention to get to heaven, but you won't get there trying. Amen. You won't get there holding on and holding out. Your hands ain't strong enough to hold on that long. You won't make the journey, my friend. And some of you need to unlaid your burdens. You need to pull into the harbor of grace and unload some things or you're not going to make it. One of the reasons we need to unload our burdens is for survival's sake. The word unlaid means in a sailor's context, the lightening of a ship during a storm to avoid shipwreck. And I'm telling you right now, if you keep doing it your way, you will experience a spiritual shipwreck for which you will never recover. And eternity is too long to be. It reminded me in the book of Numbers, chapter 16, uh, where Moses had a group of religious people come up against him, the man of God. And they told Moses in verse 3 of that chapter, you take too much upon you. Uh, They said, uh, wherefore have you lift up yourself above the congregation of the Lord? They said to Moses, uh, uh, you take too much upon you, seeing uh, uh, all the congregation are holy. He's saying we're just as equal as you. Bless God. Yeah. Caught an attitude with the preacher. Well, who who is he to think he's any better than we are? They did not understand what they just set themselves up for. Because the Bible says, By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And while these people say, You ain't no better than us. In fact, we're as good as you are. We're as holy as you What they did religiously is they assumed a position of holiness upon themselves that God never subscribed to them. They assumed that because they went through the motions of religion, they offered their offerings and they did all those things that the law required of them. They assumed a position of right standing before God, not knowing that their hearts were as corrupt as anything. Here's what Moses had to say. In verse 7, ye take too much 
upon you, ye sons of Levi. What Moses was essentially saying is you're assuming a position of holiness. You are you are taking too much upon yourself to assume that you are righteous in the eyes of God. To assume that you are holy in the eyes of God. And I know that we have a way, humanly speaking, sometimes to block out the things that we don't want to be reminded about how corrupt we are. And we like to focus on the positives. And you go and ask anybody just about it today in America, oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh yeah, I'm a member of so-and-so church. Well, I got baptized when I was 12. But they won't tell you about all the things they, all the, all the wild oats they've sowed in the flesh that, that screams that they've never been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You can't tell me that God, uh, the God of heaven, reached down and saved your wretched soul and filled you with His Spirit, Spirit, only for you to continue in the same slop of sin that He called you out of. Now, I'm not saying or preaching sinless perfection. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. A Christian can be saved and sin and mess up and get it back under the blood and keep going for God. I'm not saying that you'll live a spotless life. But I am saying there'll be a change of attitude. There'll be a change of heart. There'll be a change of direction. And you will get off course from time to time, no doubt. But there's going to be a big difference. And His name is Jesus. And, and what He does is He changes your want to. All of a sudden, the things you used to want to do, you really don't want to do them anymore. Amen. All of a sudden, the things you could enjoy in the flesh... Now it grieves your spirit when you participate in it because there's a God inside of you sounding the alarm and saying, you're not supposed to live like that. You're not supposed to do like that. And so many religious people today uh, ignore the fact that their sins are too great, uh, amen, for God to ignore. And they try to promote their good deeds and they try to convince people, including themselves, that they're in a rightful position with God. And God's dialing your number this morning, telling you that you need to be born again. The Bible says you must be born again. Now, I, I didn't ask you if you was a member of a church, and I didn't ask you, uh, amen, uh, if you attend Sunday school regularly. I, I'm not asking you this morning uh, what you've done for your church this week or your whole life even. I want to know one thing, and God wants to know one thing. Are you born again? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Because if you keep trying to do it your way, you will suffer spiritual shipwreck for eternity. There is a place called hell that those, will, uh, those who die without Christ will go to until the great white throne judgment. And then they'll be facing the Holy God, uh, and not for another chance to get it right, but just for God uh, to set the record before everyone that they were found guilty and that God was just. And then all of hell and death will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. And God wants me to tell you today that you can unload your heavy burdens. You don't have to try. You need to trust. And there's a big difference. You see, you need to unload your burdens not just for survival's sake, but you need to unload it for closure's sake. To unload, un unlaid also means to lay down a load or to discharge. 
This could represent finishing a journey or a season where heavy weights have been carried. But it's time to offload those burdens. Let me put it to you this way. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. And if you can get your sin behind God, then you can get past your past. Did you catch that? If you can get your sins behind God, then you, sir, you, man, can get past your past. And if you don't need, if you don't come to God for any other reason, you need to come to bring closure to a past that will torment you forever if you don't get it under the blood. You can be delivered from both the sin and its consequences. And you can be given power to become the Son of God and power to repent of your sin. Uh, the day I got saved, I was worried about whether or not uh, I could quit my sinning when I called on God. Uh, I have since learned uh, that that's not my concern. Uh, the point is, I can't quit sinning without Him. That's the whole reason that He came to the cross uh, was to give me the power through the Holy Spirit to become an overcomer in this world. And now I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. Uh, and I believe that the Bible teaches that His blood is so powerful and His blood is so pure uh, that once you're saved in the eyes of God positionally, you are always cleansed because you're forgiven for past, present, and future sins. And it's not that we don't uh, confess our sins when we mess up. We do. But let me tell you something. Uh, you can choose to go your own route or you can get, choose to go through faith in Jesus. Let me ask you something. If you can't save yourself before you're saved, what makes you think you can keep yourself saved afterward? Well, God saves us, but it's up to us to keep it. That's heresy. That's false doctrine. Because we've never been good enough, and until redemption is complete, that is, till you get your glorified body, you will always have to fight that old sin nature in your body. Let me ask you something. How are you going to make it to heaven on your good works? If God has already said it's not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saves us. You need some closure. You need to get that past behind you. And the good news is, if you'll get it under the blood, God will put it in His sea of forgiveness and you don't have to live in His condemnation and guilt any longer. You can have a fresh start with Jesus today. Not only do you need closure, but you need to find rest. Jesus said it again, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word rest, it literally means essentially to reverse to a position of laying down for rest. Let me ask you something. Oh, glory to God. This is going to be fun. All right. Now, Brother Chris here is a busy uh, businessman of business. Brother Chris, let's assume you hired me for work tomorrow. And you give me an assignment, and I need to go work for you. And while uh, everybody else is at work, I lay down. And I say, hey, Chris, don't worry about it. The work's already done. All right, now, let me ask you all a question. Would that work with Chris? Would he ever pay me a dime? Well, let me tell you what God did. God did such a thorough job on the cross to wash your sins away that 
It is as if you can lay down and rest and never worry about the fight of sin against your soul again. It is done, honey. Bought, paid for, cleansed, washed, headed for heaven. As good as for heaven as if I was already there. I can rest as it relates to my salvation. Now, that doesn't mean I become a lazy Christian and never lift a finger to do something for God. But again, the difference now is I'm not working to be saved. I'm working because I'm saved. And how can I not serve such a wonderful Savior who's done so much for me? I can lay it down at the foot of the cross and walk away from it and say that sin is taken care of, both now and forever. Isn't that wonderful? And I'll go so far as to say this, if the blood of Jesus ain't powerful enough to save you, then there's nothing powerful enough to save you. You mean to tell me you're going to stack up your works against the power of the blood? You mean to tell me that the very God said the life is in the blood? And then He shed His own blood, the very life source of God Himself. He spilled, He poured it out on the cross so that when we get washed in His blood, His life is transferred to us and we receive a heavenly blood transfusion and we're passed from death unto life. There's that blood that has that power to deliver you from all of your sin and all of your bondage and all of your shame and you're still going to try to get to heaven with your religion? You think your works are going to be more powerful than the blood of Jesus? That's blasphemy. That's heresy. Let's just call it what it is. You may not have deliberately realized that, but the Holy Spirit is calling our attention to a very raw and real truth that unless Jesus carries the load, the load will not be carried. It will not be carried. On September the 9th of 1990, I came as a religious boy to a church service much like this one. And that morning, I heard the voice of God calling my name for the first time. And I laid my sin at the foot of the cross. And He's carried me ever since. <laughs> oh, and I found rest. Isaiah said it this way, Is not this the fact that I have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. God wants to free you of your religion. Luke 11, 46, Jesus said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, those of you that want to keep the law. Those of you that think, well, I've never broken any of the Ten Commandments. You lied right there, and that's one of the Ten Commandments. Amen. I ain't never stole anything from anybody. I ain't never killed anybody. I guess I'm a good person. I, I tell you what you do. You take just the Ten Commandments alone. Go home and read them. And you tell me next Sunday if you still feel the same about yourself. Jesus said that even if a man were to look at a woman and lust after it's as if he's already committed the very act in the eyes of God. And we want to get to heaven on our good works? I don't think so. 
Ain't none of us going to make it without Jesus. You need rest for your soul. And Jesus only, Jesus alone, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not any of these other fake religions, will be able to release you of the burden of your sin that is upon you, that wherein you are already condemned. It's not that you'll be condemned on judgment day. God has already found you guilty before Him, and it is up to us to turn from our sin to the Savior who will take that load off of us. It's a matter of trust. We unload our burdens because we need to survive. We need closure. We need rest. But we also need a trade. <laughs> take my yoke. That is, take my laws imposed on one upon you. Jesus is telling this crowd that's heard the religious preach their whole life. And there's no way they can measure up to any of them because even the religious scribes and Pharisees that issued forth this religious machinery couldn't even live up to their own laws. And isn't that just like legalism in church today? It seems like the proudest peacocks in religion are the worst hypocrites. Amen. They'll preach to you and tell you how wrong and dirty you are. They're committing the very deeds on another deep level than you ever thought about. The th very things that they're saying you are, they are that peeing a lot of times. It's because they're spiritually blind. And Jesus is preaching to a crowd that's lived under that religious expectation their whole life that will never get them into right standing with God. So when he says, come unto me, hey boys, don't listen to what they're saying over there. They ain't done nothing but hurt you inflict pain on you, put grievous burdens on you, heavy to be born, and you'll never measure up with them, much less a holy God. If you'll come to me, I'll lighten your load, and the, the load will be carried. Jesus is essentially saying, I'll make it easier on you. I mean, how did Jesus do it? Well, He traded places with me. He went, and He paid my sin debt. I owed a debt I could not pay. <laughs> But Jesus paid my debt on the cross. He said, Gary, can't even, even if he were to go to the cross, and even if he were to be tortured and tormented, even if they placed the crown of thorns on Gary's head, and even if they thrust the spear into Gary's side, and even if they drove the nails into his hands and his feet, his blood is corrupt, and, and his blood is made of sinful man, and the shedding of his blood will never take his sins away. So Gary Caldwell cannot even offer himself up as a sacrifice to pay for his own sin. The hope he has if I step down and I take his place and I am the one with the righteous blood. I am the one with a sinless account. I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the great I am. I am God Almighty robed in flesh. I am Emmanuel. God with us, the hope of glory. I'll get on that cross and I'll pay his sin better. And then all he has to do to transfer my righteousness to his account is trust me. Now, you tell me how you want to get to heaven again. Are you ready to just lay your religious burdens down at the foot of the cross now? 
Are you ready to junk your religion and get something that's real and get something that's genuine, that get something that'll actually change your heart, bring joy unspeakable and full of glory, fill your life with hope and meaning and purpose again? Aren't you tired of being burdened down to the point of crushing with weights that you can never carry and that'll never get you into the presence of God? I'm talking about unloading your burdens before the Lord. You need a trade-off. Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. There's no need for you to do that, sir. There's no need for you to do that. He said, uh, if you will take my yoke upon you and learn of me, he said, I am meek. That's, that's, I'm gentle. I'm lowly. That is, I'm humble and I'm free from pride. I'm not like that other crowd. I'm different, Jesus says. I'm gentle with you. Ain't nothing like a religious person. Don't know nothing about the heart of God being mean and arrogant and spiteful and unforgiving and hateful and, and all that mess. And they're not gentle at all. They're rude and crude and ugly and nasty with people. Can I get an amen this morning, church? Jesus said, I, I know how to commit... I know how to do spiritual surgery on you without killing you. I can open up your heart, lay it on the table, and repair it and put it back in your chest, and you'll live to see another day. But if you go to man-made religion, they'll kill you right there on the table with their butchery. And if they don't do it to you, you'll do it to yourself. You need Dr. Jesus, honey. You need Jesus to perform the surgery. You need Jesus to fix your heart. Can't nobody else do it. I need a trade. The only way I'm going to get this load off is if Jesus takes it from me. And he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that brings, lastly, renewal. He said, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'd say so. <laughs> After I got saved, it literally felt like I was light as a feather. For the first time in my life, I felt free. I felt clean. I felt forgiven. I felt heaven-bound. I felt like it seemed like uh, seemed like the colors were a little brighter that day. It seemed like the birds were a little sweeter that day. Amen. <laughs> Woo, it seemed like the sun shined just a little bit brighter on the day I got saved because of what Jesus did. He he lifted that burden off of my soul, and it's no longer about my religion and my works and all that junk. And God, for some of you, is dialing your number. He's saying, uh, uh, the hope is in me. The hope is in me. The hope is in me. You need to lay your burdens down at the foot of the cross and let Jesus carry your load. And he will renew you. John 13, 34 said, uh, uh, Jesus said it this way, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. I mean, he told the disciples all the commandments hang on two laws. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about the love, honey. You say, why would God do that for me? I ain't deserved a bit of it. That's the whole point. Where in the Bible did it ever say for you to earn it? To deserve it? Well, God helps those who help themselves. Wrong, honey. God helps those who can't help themselves. And God will even help those that won't help themselves. Because we are ignorant and foolish in our blindness of sin.
When you look at a lost man spiritually, they are dead. You're a walking dead man. You have no spiritual life. That is, you don't, that part that's supposed to be connected to your Creator God is disconnected. It's broken. It's like, uh, you cut a vine off of a, uh, like a branch off of a vine, that branch dies. Sin severs from being connected to your Creator. And you may exist, but you're dead till you become born again. What happens when God saves you is He grafts you into the vine. Amen. Any of you farmers ever do any engrafting where you take a branch and you, you uh, cut it a certain way and you put it on a tree and you wrap it up and prayerfully hopefully that thing will. And, and you know, some people take different branches from different trees and have more than one type of fruit growing off that one because they grafted it in. It's not natural, but it, it brought life to that dead, otherwise dead branch. You know why you don't produce no fruit of spirituality? You know why you can't resonate with a message like this, no matter how much preaching you've heard, no matter how much Bible you've never read and never moved your soul at all, because you're spiritually dead until the Holy Spirit opens your deaf ear. This morning might be your morning, because He can do this. He can do something that's not natural. Sinful man being yoked up with the Holy God. That's not natural. But Jesus fixed the divide at the cross uh, so that that sin could, uh, could be taken care of and so we could be made holy and we could be made righteous through Jesus and then we could be grafted into the vine. And lo and behold, we have life for the first time. That's what happens at salvation. That's what happens when Jesus washes your sins away. That's what happens when you see, like my father, many, many years ago, uh, had an alcohol problem, uh, had a custom problem, had a lot of problems. But on the day that Jesus saved him, uh, God changed his nature. Uh, Daddy was a little sweeter and a little nicer. And, and Daddy all of a sudden didn't have a desire to even drink his alcohol anymore. God gave him a quick deliverance. And I know for some people it may not happen that quick, but there's always a change in desire before there's a change in habit. Amen? And, and, and God changed his desire and his nature. And I saw God take a man that was a drunk for 20-plus years, sober him up in a day flat, and then he went to, on to preach the gospel to thousands over in Africa over the last 20-some years, uh, seeing people come to the Lord uh, by the thousands uh, because God changed his life at the cross. Amen. You're not too far gone. Amen. There's no sinner that Jesus can't save. Amen. So let me, let me close with this verse, Hebrews 4.9. The Bible says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. I'm resting in Him today. There's no easier, better way to explain it. I'm at rest with God. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I have been reconciled to God Almighty. That is, I'm no longer striving or fighting with Him. In my sin. I have been made a part of the family. And I have rest because I know my Father has got me covered. That's rest. That's peace. I can go to bed. I remember before I got saved, I'd go to bed at night and I'd worry about going to, uh, uh, dying in my sleep and waking up in hell. But since I got saved, I ain't never had a sleepless night over worrying about hell. So, well, you've been perfect then, no? 
far from it. But I'm covered. I'm covered. Amen. That's the book. Study it. Study the book of Hebrews if you don't understand the thoroughness of the purging power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. It is powerful. It is potent. And it will change your life. And you can have rest with God. You no longer have to fight your battle alone. You say, well, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I can uh, kick my habit, Brother Gary. I've, I've been with it too long, and I know that it's an offense to God. And I'm afraid that I can't break the habit. I'm afraid I can't break the addiction. Well, let me tell you again, you can't, but He can. Amen. Quit worrying about trying to do it. We get it backwards. We think, well, if I clean up my act enough, then I can come present myself to God. Maybe He'll take me. No, honey. You come to God with your chains and all. You come to God with your addictions and all. And you lay yourself out before Him and you just get ugly honest with Him and say, God, I'm a wreck. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. And if You'll save me, I'll I'll serve You. Amen. If You'll help me, I'll do better. If You'll help me. And you just lean totally on Him. And God will take up your case. Somebody give God some praise and glory in this house. Amen. Yes. I'm telling you about a Savior that will undo your heavy burden. He said, For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Listen, sinner friend, you must unload your sin and your self-righteousness before God at the foot of the cross. And to the person that is already saved, you must unload your unforgiveness and your disappointments and all the things that's got you all out of sorts and backslidden on God. You too, my friend, can find new rest at the cross. With everybody standing to your feet.